0: You are listening to From Sobretty to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 139. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobretty to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Hello. Hello, 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 my friends. It has been three weeks, three weeks since I had an episode, and I have received a deluge of messages from people asking if I'm okay, where am I at, what's going on, and I absolutely love the support. I love the messages, and it it, it means a lot that so many people are paying attention to how often the episodes come out in order to know that... (laughs) (laughs) haven't had a new one in three weeks. Now, for those of you who aren't listening to this linearly, then you might be finding this months from now and you didn't even notice that there wasn't one because you're just going through the list. But I absolutely have been a little AWOL, and I'd like to discuss that now. I have made one of the biggest transitions that one can make in their life, changing the city that they live in. And it has been a long time of thinking about this and planning for this. And finally, it is here. It has happened. Um, I have relocated from Los Angeles. I have moved my entire operation to Huntsville, Alabama. It's about an hour and a half south of Nashville. Nashville is now my, my airport and music and live event, sporting event city. And I did this because my family, has most of them have relocated to this city. And at this stage in my addiction recovery journey, I have really noticed over the last year or two, I think COVID sparked it. Honestly, COVID sparked a lot of it. I have noticed that my desire to be closer to my family, to be more involved in their day-to-day life, to build bonds with them has taken on more of an importance And there's a lot to cover as far as um, me leaving Los Angeles and and how that played out. And certainly there is um, a lot to to unravel there. only so much of that am I really fully taking in and understanding right now there's you know there are absolutely at least in my relationship sphere there is still something very important to be uh figured out in that city and so there is absolutely a very important anchor for me to to um figure out to to love and to hold on to and and all of that will come out in other episodes and as I begin to unwrap that the and I really had no thoughts for where this episode could go um, with my tribe. I even wrote, I was like, I have no idea what to talk about because there's so much to talk about. This could just be, become a conscious stream of thought for 30 minutes. But I did just do the College Success Habits podcast. And in there, I really talked about how you can figure out ways in your life to make massive changes. And it was a lot about understanding your finances and your calendar and your relationships and your developing your growth mindset and certainly that could become what this topic what we discuss in this episode it certainly could be all right we just left thanksgiving was yesterday and while it can seem cliché to be thankful and grateful for people in your life there have been some very important people along my journey that have that have helped me and that um you know i'm still figuring out how to love and prioritize and communicate with and, you know, moving out here into Huntsville and and, and seeking a a closer relationship with family that I've never had a close relationship with. The family that lives here is all on my brother's side, which is my dad's side of the family. Um, it's, It's his wife's family that lives out here. That's who I'm staying with right now while I get my feet on the ground. You know, I wasn't raised with my brother. So, you know, I didn't even get reintroduced to the Howell side of the family until I was 17, 18 years old. So I don't have a lot of experience with a majority of everybody that I'm now close proximity to. And even my mother's side of the family, I don't have much of a a relationship with either, um, other than my sister. And even that, you know, is tenuous at best sometimes because we just aren't that close to each other. So now Oklahoma City is only a half day away. And, you know, where I went to high school is only six hours away. Where I went to college is only eight hours away. I mean, these are places I can get to in a vehicle. So I'm super pumped about um, the proximity I have to um, so many people that have been important in my life. And, again, there's absolutely, you know, a lot to be – Figured out as far as the Los Angeles goes, but just just hone in for this episode on what this move is meant to bring me toward in my career, right? Because I'm very career driven, and to the detriment of my relationships and to the detriment of myself, sometimes I get very focused in on what is it that I can do for my career, and I and I and I put blinders on. I don't look at the side view mirrors. I definitely don't do a whole lot of looking in the rear view mirror unless it's just to fuel me with uh, you know, some level of, of regret or shame or animosity to further f- fire me forward. And that's one of the reasons why we're going to be working a lot on our emotional intelligence over the course of the next couple months in the tribe and on this show is to really be able to learn how to have deep, meaningful, open communication conversations with people in our lives. Not everybody is listening to this show. Well, I do believe that everybody should, but that's because it's my content. It's my show. It's my learnings. It's my readings that I bring. Like I get super fired up and pumped up about stuff. And then I want to bring it to you all so that we can discuss it and we can learn from it. And it is my hope that whenever you apply it into your life, that you do, go one step further, one step ahead. That there is growth, but not everybody in your life is is paying attention to self help and growth minded and personal development kind of stuff. So expecting all of them to immediately understand what you're talking about is it's a little asinine, you know, right? It's, it's it's almost like. It's almost like expecting somebody to understand the intricacies of something that you have invented whenever they've never seen it before, right? Like there's only so much knowledge somebody can have about something that you want to introduce to them if they've never read about it before. This is why uh, when it comes to learning, like the beauty for me of learning is that I take it in. I, you know, I might read it one time. Then I'll listen to it on Audible. Then I'll I'll write about it in my journal. I'll take notes about it on Trello. I, I'll apply it into my life. I'll start to get some information back, and then I can bring it to the show. I can say it out loud to y'all, which means I'm now teaching it to myself all over again. And then you take it in, and then you go off, and you will apply it. You'll measure it. You'll see if it's worth replicating. You'll change your own things around and you'll go off and you do your own things with it. I don't ever expect the things that I teach to be done verbatim the way that I'm discussing them because the way I learned them isn't the way that I'm talking about them now. I learn a ton of things from a lot of different sources, and they just become this amalgamation of ideas and energies and thoughts and feelings, and I put it together the way I am taking it on, and then I go off and I apply it the way I apply it, and which may not necessarily even be remotely the way the author intended it to be applied, but yet this is the way I plan on doing it, and then I get the information from the application. I review it. I assess it. Do it a little bit of an after-action report. If you've ever heard of that, it's very much a military saying, right? After the action, do a report, summarize, evaluate, and figure out better ways to do it the next time. So there's a lot of figuring things out. Um, Right now, I'm sitting in a room that looks like the inside of a Victoria's Secrets gift bag. Um, It's all pink. It is, uh, it is my brother's father-in-law who I'm living with now. It is his grandkids uh, old room in the house. And so I live in a pink room, which is actually, (laughs) it's actually super calming. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's very much, I feel like, Aside, if, if the room wasn't painted pink, this would very much feel like living in an old college dorm room. Like there's a bed over there, there's this little nightstand, there's a bookshelf off in the corner, and all my crap is basically in plastic tubs <laughs> because that's how I moved it out here from L.A. in the back of my Hyundai Santa Fe Sport. And it's, it's, it's been a journey. And then, of course, along the way, I got covid So, oh, yeah, way to bury the lead on that one, Jesse. I got COVID at a dude ranch. So I set up my move based on the fact that my business professional group called Metal, Media, Entertainment, Technology, Artists, uh, and Artist Leaders. So we're all like leaders in in our fields. We're all people who have the leading voice in our field. It's a very amazing group I'm involved in. and, And only a very small percentage of us from the main group were invited to go to the dude ranch. It was absolutely awesome. I got to ride horses. Camacho was my horse. I'll be posting some of this stuff over on Instagram uh, once I'm feeling better. But um, it was great. Four days of riding a horse and shooting guns and bows and arrows and riding these little fat tire e-bikes through the desert. It was a lot of fun. It was a hoot. It was a hoot. But we were supposed to be in a COVID cocoon, meaning we all had had to take and show negative tests in order to go into this dude ranch. And, um, we did, it was all 90 of us showed negative tests. Um, the staff did not have to show negative tests. So for all we know that somebody there had it for all we knew was that somebody took the test that came up negative and then still ended up having it, um, for whatever, however it happened, it happened. I'm not going to get angry about it. Um, ultimately, um, I didn't really feel that sick. I had two negative tests as I was leaving the ranch. So I thought I was good to go. So I drove my little happy ass all across the country. I went 2000 miles over eight States and over the course of six days and ultimately landed here in Huntsville just to find out that the whole time I was doing that drive, I was contaminating people (laughs) along the way. So that's super awesome to know. And, um, you know, I I didn't feel bad. I was blowing my nose a lot. Again, the negative tests. I just thought, you know, I'd been in, in dry weather. My nose bleeds when I get into really dry weather. That started to happen. You know, there was dust and dirt everywhere because we were always riding horses and we were around bonfires. So I just thought, well, we were standing around in the cold a lot and we were really active and I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. And I was super tired. <laughs> from preparing for this move to Huntsville. So I just thought I was run down. Turns out I was not just run down. And so ultimately I I managed out of it rather unscathed. Um, I feel very blessed. Perhaps it was my vaccination that helped me get out of it unscathed. That's at least what I've read that if you are vaccinated and you do come down with it, that the symptoms are way less and light. And yeah, I mean, other than just being fatigued and blowing my nose a lot and feeling dehydrated, I Ate just fine. Didn't have a headache. Uh, You know, didn't really feel like I was feverish. Um, Sweated a lot while I slept, but that could have been because I had 17 covers on my blanket or on my bed. So anyways, I digress about that. I did catch the COVID at at the Dude Ranch, which did not make this transition to Huntsville smooth. I didn't get to spend it with my family like I had hoped on Thanksgiving Day. Um, I am hoping that my test comes back negative tomorrow so I can go enjoy the barbecue and uh, the the rivalry weekend football games that are happening tomorrow. So again, stream of consciousness, 13 minutes in. I'm not really sure what this episode is going to be about. If you're hoping for groundbreaking, pull out the pen and the pad, let's get in the lab and let's see what we can come up with. When we think about our sobriety to recovery journey, One of the things I like to remind myself is that I don't know what I don't know. And I'm getting shivers right now as I say this, so that's generally my sign that what I'm talking about needs to be said. So I will repeat that. We don't know what we don't know. We don't see our blind spots because then they wouldn't be blind spots. They get tagged with the title blind spot because we don't, we can't see them. We don't know what we don't know until we know it. And then in hindsight, we think we should have known it. But that's not what not knowing things is about. Because if we always knew things, then there would be no blind spots. And then we, then we would know everything. And then we'd be a supercomputer. And we're not. We're human. So we just don't know what we don't know until we experience something firsthand. Then we can take in the experience and we can ask ourselves, okay, that's what just happened. Am I happy with the result? Or would I have preferred it to have turned out differently? If it doesn't feel good once, don't do it twice. So how can we begin to notice these changes that we're making in our own addiction recovery, in our own sobriety journey? And how can we step into a level of self-awareness that says, okay, I don't know everything, but am I also just not paying attention to things that I might know because I don't want to realize that I'm not doing it with 100% integrity and humility and gratitude? One of the beauties about opening myself up to the vulnerability that comes from doing a podcast, is that I don't know everything, (laughs) and yet I speak about a lot of things. One of my friends used to like to call me the jack of all trades, but the master of none, and you know while i could absolutely step back and say well tiger woods is certainly the master and amazing in, in doing all of this stuff right like he certainly became the master of one thing in his life we, we have certainly seen where in other aspects of his life things have not gone all that well and we're not just talking about his health. We're talking about his relationships and, and the way that his first marriage fell apart and w- the way that really took his whole career down in a spiral. If you look back at it, his his, his relationships fell and then his health fell and then his career went down and, and he's been working at getting it back up in every sense. Now, I don't really have a big sidebar about what all he did other than integrity, humility, and gratitude certainly would have helped him there. It's that I don't mind being the jack of all trades and the master of none. I, I, I actually like being really good at a lot of things, but not necessarily the best at one thing. I'm okay with that. In fact, I think that that's one of my, my like little core geniuses, is that I'm just super curious and I'm super into a lot of things. And I'll get super driven and totally into you know something for a month or two, and then I'll learn all I can about it. And then I'll be like, all right, cool, let's incorporate that into my life. But let's also move on and start learning something new. NLP has been the only thing over the course of this entire journey uh, through a sobriety and recovery that has, made, that has been a consistent linguistic programming was something I decided the moment I learned about it that I was going to pretty much make a centerpiece of my life. Whether it was conscious communication, whether it was understanding the different parts, the different personalities inside of me, the different ways that I'd like to behave, whether it was my emotional intelligence, whether it was my physical fitness, everything gets run through the neurolinguistic programming filters, through the development of the growth mindset that has come from NLP. One of the main tenets in NLP is that we're doing the best we can with the resources we have. You might have heard this said in other ways, you know, we're all doing the best we can with what we know now. We're doing the best we can with who we are today, right? There's many different ways that we can say this, but no matter how many different variations of this phrase comes about, it all links back to the same idea that we're doing the best we can right now. And if we decide that it's not the best for us, that we will learn other ways for it to become better. We're doing the best we can with what we know now, with the resources we have. And if we want it to be better, then we just need to either become more resourceful, right? Another NLP tenant is that there is no um, unresourceful people. There's only unresourceful states. So if we don't feel like we're being as resourceful with our own life now, then we can start to, to ask ourselves, how is our emotional state affecting the way that I'm behaving and then the, the, the actions that come from that behavior become the results that we now have to contend with in our lives. We have a thought, I'm not happy about blank, which brings out a feeling of animosity or anger or whatever. And then the action is going to be driven by that animosity or anger. I'm not happy about blank. I'm not happy about my drinking. So now uh, the feeling I have is of anger towards myself. And that could be an action of not drinking anymore, which could lead to a result of we are no longer drinking and now we're sober. That would be the best way for that example to play out. But it can also play out the other way, where the thought is, "I'm not happy with my drinking. I'm a loser because I drink." The feeling becomes of anger and sadness, right? Then the action could be, oh, "I'm gonna sober up," but then a couple of days later, like we're sober, but we still don't feel great. Now all of a sudden, we realize we done screwed up a whole bunch of stuff in our life, and then now the result is we're sober and our life is a, is a, is chaos which could just cycle us right back to drinking because what did we do in the past when we felt like our life was chaos? We hit the bottle, we hit the pipe, we hit the straw, whatever it might be, we got ourselves intoxicated. So then what can be the thought and the feeling that we have that can actually create a better version of ourselves, but do so with more positive vibrations, more positive feelings? Right. A lot of the energy that I utilized over the last few months in order to exodus from Los Angeles was done so in almost like a, a spite, uh, a, an, an animosity kind of level right whether it was towards me or towards someone else it was done in a way like okay i'm you know this i'm done with this city 14 million people always underfoot i've got to show vaccination cards to go inside restaurants this mask is is really hard to breathe behind whatever it might have been that i was thinking you know sometimes i was like why aren't these people wearing masks we're all in close proximity other times i was like why are we all wearing masks we're outside in a field i mean right and then i go to an event and i get covid and it's like okay well what could we have done here, right? So there's all these mixtures, there's all these emotions. And none of them, we're not judging right or wrong. Right? We're seeking to understand ourselves at a deeper level. Certainly I could step back from some of my behaviors over the last few months and say, okay, I was behaving poorly. I don't ever want to behave that way again. And what can I do to remedy what I've done? Absolutely. I can absolutely have that energy. But whipping myself and and having shame and guilt, right? past the initial moment where I realized things went a little sideways, that's not going to help me. That's going to be, that's actually going to drag me down. And when we're starting to frame everything around addiction recovery, right, which is absolutely one of the main mental health issues that we have going on in this country, hell, the world, is that people have mental health issues. They think that they can add in some medicine of intoxication, and ultimately that becomes the poison. It makes the mental health issue that we were already trying to work through that much worse. So utilizing guilt and shame and anger towards ourselves when we're not behaving as the best version of ourselves, that's a, that's an addictive mindset. That's our old addictive behavior. Now, the 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 deception or the collusion or the or the deceit that I feel like I, I I I partook in over the last few months as far as leaving Los Angeles and not letting some very important people know what it was I wanted to do with my life I won't contend with that I will face them that myself in the mirror I will face them I will have those conversations beating myself up it it, it and tearing myself down that's old addictive behavior I already was a part of old addictive behavior in some of the ways that I went about leaving Los Angeles. Old Addict Jesse showed up. I, I now, of course, can see that. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know my blind spots until all of a sudden I do something, and then it's no longer in my blind spot. It is right in front of me, smack dab, eye to eye. Now I got to contend with it. And you're going to have these moments in your addiction recovery where you think that you've healed through some things. You're going to think that you no longer behave a certain way and then you're going to easily be stoked into an argument. You're going to easily hold uh, animosity. You're going to allow resistances to turn into resentment that blow up into rejections and then you're going to stand your ground because you think that's what you're supposed to do until you've stood your ground for so long that then you all of a sudden turn around and no one that you love is standing next to you anymore because they're pissed off at your attitude the whole time, all right? This isn't all necessarily a reflection about what I've just experienced, but there's been a lot going on with my tribe and my clients, and I'm able to bring in like 15, 20 different experiences of what life has been like for so many people close to me who are also journeying through addiction recovery, all right? I have conversations with people all the time about addiction recovery because I wear a necklace that says that I'm sober. I talk about it when people say, what do you do with your career? Like the very first thing I talk about is from sobriety to recovery and going to addiction recovery centers. I talk to hundreds of people every single month. I know what so many people are journeying through. And whenever I get this big of a database of people, I can start to recognize patterns. And the patterns that I start to recognize are um, a lack of communication, uh, a lack of acceptance, uh, a lack of inner love. And when you lack acceptance and inner love and communication with yourself, then what's going to happen is that's going to get projected outwardly. If you can't love yourself for even what you consider to be flaws, then you're going to hold other people's flaws against them too. If you can't accept yourself for these flaws, for these misgivings that you've done over your life, or you've done in your addiction, or you've done in your sobriety to recovery journey, if you can't accept that you're human and that you're not perfect and that you're going to start arguments where arguments shouldn't be started, you're going to make decisions without keying in other people, you're going to uh, get into arguments with people at work over silly little things. Like If you can't accept that this behavior is just part of the human experience, then not only are you going to get mad at yourself. Yourself, when you notice you're doing it, you're going to get really mad at other people because that's what the unconscious mind does. It notices in other people what it wants you to notice in yourself so that you can heal it and that you can evolve through it. So if you notice in somebody else that they complain all the time, you might want to look inside yourself and say, well, where am I complaining all the time? Where am I complaining a lot? If somebody were to turn to me and say, you know, you're a 17-foot gorilla, I'm not going to get pissed off that somebody called me a 17-foot gorilla because I know I'm not a 17-foot gorilla. But if somebody looks at me and says, you know, you say that you're always happy, but you actually have a lot of uh, anger you need to work through. And if all of a sudden that charges me up and I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not angry. I'm always happy. If I get charged up about that, then there's probably some truth in it. Because if there wasn't any truth in it, then it wouldn't charge me up. Like the 17-foot gorilla comet didn't charge me up. Like I get that there's some anger I have to work through. And a majority of the anger isn't outwardly expressed to anybody because it's actually inwardly happening to me. It's me noticing that I'm not doing things the way I would prefer. And instead of being gentle on myself and and figuring out what it is I could be doing better, I instead get ba- I get down on myself. The voices that start to yell at me about that generally aren't even mine. They're my dad's, or they're my mom's, or they're a teacher, or somebody important from my childhood who, no matter how good I did, just wasn't capable of, of patting me on the head and saying, good boy. Right. So then I have these issues now saying good boy to myself, because no matter how good I've done, it wasn't good enough when I was eight it wasn't good enough when I was sixteen, so why should it be good enough now at forty-five? When that's that is absolutely unfair and it's it's so unrealistic to hold myself to that kind of candle. And if you're doing this to yourself, then it's unrealistic for you to be holding yourself to some sort of bar that no one in this planet is is achieving. No one in this planet is achieving one hundred percent absolute the best versions of themselves on any given day. It's, it's just, it's it's not there. There's, there's so many, you know, if you have 50,000 thoughts a day, then there's so many opportunities for one of these thoughts to derail you, for them to spark emotions and feelings that lead you to an action and a result that you'd rather not have to contend with. If you don't like the way it tastes once, don't eat it twice, don't do it twice, don't see it right, then you can make that choice. But in, oftentimes you have to make the error first in order to realize how big of an error it actually is. The beautiful thing about being this deep into addiction recovery is that I have placed alcohol in its nice little world right where it it exists it happens around me, but it it has no more it no longer has a draw on me right The dreams about drinking are gone right? Now in in its place, you know, it's like I can see myself having a great time at a beach with friends and laughing, and they might be drinking, but I'm not. I'm 100% present. I'm there. I got my soda water. I'm having a good time. Alcohol is, it's done. It's there. It exists on this planet, but it it does not exist in my life. I'm not worried about having a bad day and going off and drinking. I do understand that relapse happens weeks and months and years before it actually occurs with you drinking or using again. So I'm not sitting here trying to be Mr. Ego saying there's no chance in hell I ever go back to that world because life is full of a myriad of different pathways. And we have really, we have no, no idea where life is taking us, but we do hope that we can plan for it to at least be taking us in the direction we want it to be. So I'm saying all that to say, like, I'm not worried about alcohol. I'm not worried about relapsing. It's, that is that. That being said, my behavior while I was drinking, my behavior while I was using those kind of um, triggers, those kind of anchors, they still exist in me. And when I get down on myself for not being further along in my addiction recovery, it's not coming from a place of like, how dare you not have figured this out yet? Or why isn't this already fixed? Because that's, that's, that's generally not the energy I have. It is more of an idea of, I thought I would be further along by now. And I think I brought this up in a previous episode. And if not, I've definitely talked about this um, in other areas of my life. I just would have thought I'd have been further along by now. I didn't ever think that I would have my emotional intelligence completely figured out. I just thought I would be further along by now. I didn't think I would have my inability to step into confrontations absolutely figured out. I just figured I'd be further along by now. The beauty of it is, landing here in Huntsville, is that most of these, none of these people have day to day contact with me. They've never lived with me, they've never had a day to day association with me. So I get to create my new way of communicating with them. As it's fresh, they have they have no idea what it's going to be like to be around me on a day-to-day basis. So now where I, would, where I used to maybe keep my voice muted or not talk about things, I'll just come straight out and ask a question. Is it okay if I put my shoes here? It's just your house, not mine. I'm staying with you for a few months, but it doesn't mean I can just put my crap everywhere. Start having conversations about how they want it to be done and not get offended if it doesn't align with the way that I tend to want to do things. I didn't always do that in the past. I would avoid the confrontation. I would avoid the being of the no. Because that little eight-year-old inside of me wouldn't want to get bopped on the nose. But the person isn't bopping me on the nose. They're just simply saying, well, I have this way of doing it. You have that way of doing it. Where can we negotiate and meet in the middle? Where in your life are you starting to notice that you aren't ready to negotiate? Where in your life are you ready to start stepping into a new form of communication? Where in your life have you noticed that your blind spots have come out of the blind spot and actually showed up right in front of you? And are you willing to take on personal responsibility for the error of your ways? Not with shame and guilt and anger towards yourself, but by stepping into this new mindset that says, okay, that's how I did behave. I don't want to behave that way anymore. What's a better way to behave? Let's start doing that now. It's funny that there there will be times in my life where I'll ask somebody, "Well, how would you prefer this to be done?" Or they would they would ask something of me, which would be a change of my behavior. Um, the bird feeder comes to mind back in Santa Clarita. You know, when my girlfriend had asked me to vacuum it up so that it wasn't always messy every day. At first it gave me a bit of a charge. And I was like, I don't want to do that every day. Let the birds be the birds and you know, it'll get done when it gets done. And when I really stepped back from that, I realized I didn't like the bird seed always being messy either. It's almost like I didn't want to do it every day out of some irrational like, oh okay, so I'm I'm just a little do boy. I'm just a little bitch who just jumps when somebody says how high. That's of that that was what my eight-year-old self used to say when my mom would be like, you know, don't drop your backpack in the hallway, right? I want to put the backpack in the hallway. I'm, you know, I, I'm i my own boss. I'm my own man. I'm eight years old. I wasn't nobody's anything. Just pick up the damn backpack and put it in your room. When someone asks you to do something for them or help them with something. It's not to make you their little bitch or make you comply. And uh, I hear a lot of my dude friends in in various circles say, well, you know, I don't want to come off as pussy whipped. And to me, that's such a one that's just not a good thing to think about yourself or to think that that's what the other person's trying to do. But in reality, you're just, you're living in a home with other people. And it's like, how can we all just get along kind of mentality, right? There's certain things you're going to ask of them that you would like for them to do. Does that mean that they're whipped if they do it? Right. But yet there's somehow there's that little voice in my head that says, no, no, I don't have to do it just because you asked me. Okay. But then that seems super childish. And then that was a blind spot I had. And this is all part of the addiction recovery because I used to, oh my God, the arguments I used to get in with my roommates back in college, right? I would be super clean. They'd be super dirty. I would just lay into them about stuff, right? And then, you know, they might ask me to, you know, hey, don't leave your shoes at the front door. I trip over them when I come in drunk at night and I would do it anyways. Well, then I'm over here asking them to clean up their dishes after they cook. And they're probably thinking, dick i fell over your shoes last night i'm not doing that right it was it was like a tit for tat there wasn't a, uh, there wasn't healthy communication happening and again 35 minutes into this and i'm not really sure what the point of it is other than when we start to step into the new year to 2022. The new year starts December 1st, and we're going to have some great conversations. I'm going to start putting out a lot more podcasts over the next few weeks. um, A lot. We're not going to necessarily just do them once a week moving forward. and They're going to be a lot better structured than they are right now, but this is the first time I've been on the microphone in three weeks, and my brain is just literally like a jumbled mess. And so I thought, well, what better way to just get on here and let y'all know that I've moved and that I live here now. And you know, that, uh, uh, this, you know, this could be a forever kind of thing, or it could be a temporary kind of thing. It is just here in the now. And that's maybe what my most important message could be for this episode was that be in the here and now. Be present in your relationships. If you feel a charge, take charge. Don't let something that upset you to the point where you hurt those that you love. Don't let something upset you so much that you actually hurt yourself in the process. Accept yourself as the human that you are. Accept that you won't always get things right. That there will be blind spots. That there will be emotions. There will be times when you react rather than respond. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not always be 100% yourself. It's okay to start an argument and then later on realize that it was a silly argument. Great. You don't like it. You don't like the way that it feels the first time, don't do it again. But sometimes you have to make the mistakes in order to realize how important something really is. Sometimes you have to make the mistake to even be aware that what you were getting ready to do was actually a mistake. The one thing that we can know in sobriety and recovery is that the best decision we ever made for ourselves was getting sober but that was just the first step. That's just the first step. It's like being born. When the baby slides out of the canal, it's not like, okay, job done. I'm here. Okay, world, take care of me. I mean, the umbilical cord's job is done, but the job of that baby has just begun. Life has just begun sliding down the metaphorical birth canal of, of sobriety and, and coming out in the light and being sober, that's, that's just the beginning. Getting our physical bodies in check, getting our emotional intelligence in check, having open, honest, vulnerable communications with people and, and being okay with the fact that they may not see eye to eye to us and we may not even see eye to eye with ourselves. It's, all of that stuff's okay as we balance integrity and humility and gratitude and our spiritual awakening and our our emotions and our, and our mental acuity, as we begin to balance all of this and we begin to grow through it. mistakes will happen. but that's an awesome opportunity for us to turn what could have been a problem into a solution as long as we are waking up with a clear mind and a clear heart of sobriety and addiction recovery, then at least the day has started off awesome. Every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. From there, what are we going to create? From there, what are we going to learn? From there, what are we going to experience? The most powerful thing that I have really taken from these almost five years of addiction recovery is that I am constantly learning. Every day I'm learning. Every day I'm growing. Every day I'm evolving. It's my favorite thing about me. Every day, every day there's somewhere I can learn something new that just changes one little aspect of my thinking or my feeling or my actions. Every day there's a way to evolve. Every day there's a way to take on one little new thing. And sometimes I'm not even seeking the new things. They just come to me and I'm just self-aware enough to notice them and say, huh, do I want to do that regularly or not? Sometimes the evolution is actually deciding not to do something. But either way, it's done with a clear mind and a clear heart. It doesn't mean that the old addictive versions of ourselves doesn't still lie somewhere inside of us, right? Just because sober Jesse kicked drunk Jesse into the back seat and took the wheel doesn't mean that drunk Jesse doesn't still have some sway over what's getting ready to happen in my life. I still behave like an addict sometimes. I mean, I'm not getting wasted and falling all over myself, Right, But holding on to grudges, being having animosity, um, not stopping and taking a breath and working myself to the bone, these are things that old Jesse used to really rely upon in order to keep himself stable. So now I'm just more aware of them and I get a chance to ask myself, is this how I want to continue to behave? Is this how I want to continue to act? Am I comfortable with the results that these behaviors have occurred to me in my life? Thoughts and feelings are going to come like the wind. They don't always have to lead to an action. Sometimes it's best that they don't. But the beautiful part about this is that we're all stepping into a state of self-awareness that allows us to start being more mindful when things that were in our blind spots now become fully conscious and aware to us. It's in that seat of conscious awareness that we can actually ask ourselves, is this something I want to replicate? Is this something I want to do again? If it's not, then lock that in and don't do it again. If it is, then begin to lay out a plan for how you can replicate that and you can apply it and you can experience it in your life on a regular basis. All habits are formed the same way. There's a cue. That leads to a craving that triggers a response that gives us a reward when you want to break a habit you just got to figure out where within that cue craving response reward pattern you can start to uh, to do a pattern interrupt where you can shock yourself out of the out of the habit loop that you 've created if you 're happy with that habit, then you just want to solidify it. You want to cause the cue or the craving to become very apparent to you. You want to cause the, the response and the reward to be very obvious and to be fulfilling and satisfying because then you will continue to do it. One of the things we're going to be talking about with the tribe moving forward is how we can create our best life, how we can finish 2021 right and make 2022 the best year of our life. Of course, until the next one. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity. The power of positive energy release and flow. If you would like to know more about how to be involved in the tribe, if you would like to learn more about my online experience, the Wise Mind Recovery Tribe, the Wise Mind, the Wise Mind Empowerment and Leadership Course, whatever it is, I have something situated for you. If you would like to just know more, DM me at Jesse Mogul at From editor, at From sobriety to recovery at Instagram. I don't know why I'm slurring my speech all of a sudden. I'm biting my tongue. Um, You know how to find me. We've been talking about this forever. Google Jesse Mogul. I'm the only freaking dude on the planet with that name. As always, every day is the best day of our lives because we wake up sober. I love you all. Shout out to Sunshine Glow On. I will see you soon. Bye-bye.